What's up, everybody? This is Kyle Krieger, and I am one half of the team at Lighthouse Educator Development and Value as Value. And I want to welcome you to this episode of the Value as Value podcast, along with Wilkie Law. We started this podcast three years ago to help teachers become the kind of teacher their kids deserve. And we're so thrilled to be joined by you on this journey and to have you be a part of our uh, teaching community. So you're here because you want to get better. You want to be that teacher your kids deserve. You want to be that teacher your kids need. And we hope to help you become that teacher by sharing our stories and the stories of educators from around the country of how they built their craft through experience, how they continue to sharpen their skill set through reflection, and how they're leveraging their authenticity to be the change that we need to see in our kids. So we're thrilled that you're here and we're so glad you joined us. But before you do that, if you don't mind hitting the subscribe button, we'd really appreciate it and sharing this episode if you find value. If you want to find us outside of this podcast, you can do that on YouTube uh, as Value Adds Value. And as well, you can find us on Facebook as Lighthouse Educator Development or Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at Value Adds Value. But for now, we hope you enjoy this episode of the Value Adds Value podcast. Welcome back, fam, to the Value Adds Value podcast. This is going to be the first podcast of 2021. Uh, so from from us to you, happy new year. I got my guy, Wilkie Law. What's good, Will? Happy new year. Happy new year to you too, man. It's I'm excited. You know, um, we've had a conversation before about how 2020 was not all bad for everything. Um, you know, there was some there was some beautiful moments in 2020. Um, and I'm looking for bigger and better things in 2021. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I like your saying when you say swing for the fences for 21. Yeah. And so, yeah, every every pitch I'm, I'm trying yeah. to go yard. Only. Yeah. And, and that being said, swinging for the fences, we really swung for the fences on this first interview. Um, it is. Uh, I'm being a little cheeky there because we have a friend, a uh, guy we've known probably three full years now. We met on our tour of Teacher Heart Out conferences. He was running media at that time. He's also uh, not not married yet, right? Still still engaged. Still engaged. Still engaged to Chelsea, <laughs> who is also a friend of ours. Well, we got our guy Matt Bokey, all the way from Jersey. Matt, great to see you, brother. Good seeing you too. Thank you guys for having me on. Really appreciate it and. Uh, Happy New Year. Uh, yeah. I feel like 2020 prepared us for anything yeah. uh, 2021 can throw at us. So uh, right. let's get after it. Right. So we, we, are, we are recording this, though, the week before Christmas. And I asked Matt about the there, – there, at our current time, there's a huge nor'easter moving across the northeast. And I've heard that it's the worst nor'easter ever. And they live in Jersey and didn't get one snowflake. So I, 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 I was – baffled to learn that earlier this morning jersey's a weird spot man um you know we go along the i-95 corridor uh so to the east of that it's the uh, coastal plains and then to the west of that is the adirondacks and the mountains and stuff and that really changes how those systems come through uh most times the coast just gets rain uh, a lot of beach erosion uh, a lot of big surf a lot of big waves um which is fine by me because I hate snow. <laughs> so I'll take that. 
It's fine by me. Not everyone in the West has to dig themselves out. So fine by me. Mm. Mm. I love that. So, so New Jersey runs to the south of New York, right? Correct. Okay. I'm just trying to get, trying to get my bearings on that. So oh, can you geography, geography? I know, team. I know, but yeah. so, so where, so where in New, where in New Jersey do you and Chelsea live? So we're just outside of Long Beach Island. So it's like pretty much right smack dab in the middle of the state. So you're not like looking out across onto New York City or anything like that. No. So we were up north a little bit, um, closer to uh, like Sandy Hook, a place called Manasquan. Um, and if you go like on a good day, if you go out um, on the beach, you can usually see New York from Manasquan, Asbury Park, Sandy Hook, all there. So you can still see, you know, New York skyline, but you're still pretty far away. It's like an hour, hour and a half car ride from uh, Manasquan. Mm. Nice. Nice. Well, like I said, we, I think the first time we met you was at Teacher Hot Out out in vegas yes yep you were taking pictures we were doing what we do acting ridiculous making people (laughs) laugh and and we kind of bonded over that so yeah and we were just talking we haven't seen you since this usually we had gotten used to seeing you at least once or twice a year and we haven't seen you since the summer of gosh summer of 19 on the cruise so it's good to good to reconnect so um, to get us started, can you just give our listeners a little bit of your background and what it is that you do? Because you are not actually a teacher, but you are in the education profession. Just give us your background. Sure. So i um, 34, born and raised in Jersey. I uh, went to County College for uh, network engineering technology, and I got my uh, bachelor's of science in computer science from Stockton University. Um, I worked for you know a couple tech startups. I worked for Apple. Um, really wasn't that enamored with the tech world. Um, I've always had a creative knack. Um, I did a few things on the side. Like I started my business when I was in college still um, by Boki. It's a, a small business advertising agency. Uh, so I kind of stepped away from technical roles. I uh, was working in the graphic design world, doing graphic design and product photography for a few companies. Um, that's really where my passion was. But the problem with that was that my commute was like an hour, hour and a half. Um, it took away time from Chelsea took away time for my family. Um, and the benefits were whack, to be perfectly blunt. So um, we wanted to move further south. So we found the perfect spot, the perfect area around all of our friends. Um, so that was kind of a sign to say, hey, time to maybe get out of this and find something different. And at, it was like out of the blue, there was a, uh, a, a role that popped up for a, a school district down south. It was 13 minutes away from our new spot. Uh, it was for technical support for um, preschool, elementary school, middle school, and high school. Um, so went, applied for the job, got the job, and now I'm in education. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I guess I do want to ask one follow-up question. Is Are there just statues of Bruce Springsteen, like, outside every, you know, town building and stuff in Jersey? Does everybody love Bruce in Jersey, or is it? a misconception of us Midwest people that everybody in Jersey loves Bruce. Well, it's not inaccurate, but it's a much, it's very much of a uh, love hate type of thing. Either you like the guy or you hate the guy. Um, the biggest spot that there's like Bruce fandom in is Asbury park. That's like where he first started playing and he grew up near there and he currently lives there. He lives near uh, the Colts neck, which is like 30 minutes North from Asbury park. 
but he'll still come down. Like he'll ride his motorcycle down to like a random bar in Asbury, pre-pandemic, obviously, and just hang out at a bar and just drink a beer. And people are like, "Oh shit, it's Bruce Springsteen." <laughs> I will. I couldn't imagine. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm a big fan of Bruce, and so I couldn't imagine sitting somewhere and all of a sudden he walks in and 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 not going to him. You know what I mean? Because right. it's like yeah. you feel like you know him so well. You you you've heard him. You've watched him. And it's like, you know, I, you know, hey, Bruce, you just feel like he'd be like, hey, pull up a chair, grab one with me. You know, we had that connection through his music, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like he expresses himself and like you really get an inside look into a person through their music. But, you know, he's just another guy. It's weird because it's like, you know, everyone holds him to like this high pedestal, like oh, this great guitar player, great songwriter, really cool songs. At the end of the day, it's just a dude having a beer in a bar. You know, he's no different than you or I. It's like, it's crazy to see that. It's like. It's a weird juxtaposition. Yeah, I feel like that's. I I have some friends who live in Green Bay, Wisconsin, where the Packers play, and and there's kind of the same feel of it there. Like my buddy Lizard, he's like, you could just be walking through the grocery store and see a Packers player, and there and the people in Green Bay just kind of leave them alone. I guess they're so, especially if they if you've been in Green Bay a long time, you're so used to seeing Packers players that it's not like. If it were me that if I saw a Packers player, I'd I'd like lose oh, my yeah. mind. But yeah, so I just had to ask the Bruce question because <laughs> I and, and I think it popped into my head because you know my wife right now is listening to nothing but the four XM Christmas stations, mm. and inevitably, if you listen for more than about fifteen minutes, you're going to hear Bruce Springsteen's version of Santa Claus is coming to town. That that's just what prompted prompted that for me was. And my wife hates it, and I love it. So it's kind of a, a a weird moment there. So, so with the podcast, what we're trying to do, man, is help teachers become what kids deserve. So, from your perspective, especially, and and this is something we're trying to do in twenty twenty one is to expand the perspective beyond just teachers to other stakeholders. So when you hear that the teacher kids deserve what comes to mind for you you know having the private sector experience and public sector experience you know it really i think changes the perspective i have about teachers so like you know chelsea's a teacher obviously you know so i have that one perspective but actually being in the building and seeing teachers do what they do it completely changes you know your perspective and what i thought a teacher should be for a kid was i think a little different prior to me going into this role. You know, now that I'm in here and I see what people are doing, you know, the biggest thing for these kids, for a teacher to be, is just these kids need an adult who's present, who's there for them. You know, someone who's a role model, someone these kids can look up to, something that they can aim for. Um, you know, because I feel like a lot of times, you know, kids don't necessarily have that strong role model, you know, that they really need. And a teacher can really act as that role model. You know, even in the tough times, holding the line. And I think, you know, during COVID and the pandemic, you really saw teachers step up to bat, you know, and really be there for the kids and be that role model and say, hey, listen, you know, this is a weird time. There is a lot of struggle, but listen, I can do it. You can do it. We can do it. And I'm going to help you get through it. You know, and for me, that's, that's the teacher every kid deserves, no matter what your background is, no matter where you're located at, an adult that's present and a role model. So, what would you say your opinion would have been of that question before you are in the, were in the role that you're in now? 
it, it would be more of like the educational standpoint as opposed to like the emotional side of things. Like, you know, kids deserve a teacher that is knowledgeable, that can, you know, clearly articulate, you know, points, get the message through. But I feel like it's so much more than that. And I think, you know, an adult who's present, who is a teacher, kind of encompasses all that, you know? So like if I'm here and I hear what you're saying, like, oh, I'm struggling with this math problem or I'm struggling with this idea, you can be there to try to work through that with them, listen to them, hear their struggle, and then work with them to overcome it. And I like that word you use that a teacher that's present and not just a warm body, but that's fully present and engaged in that student. And I think that that's where, um, I think COVID has really, like you said, it's, it's shown the best of our teaching craft. Mm -hmm. um, now there are, some, there, are some, there are some areas for growth, opportunities for growth, as they would say. Um, but for the most part, man, it's, it, it should have shown the entire world that, man, teachers are ready to step up anytime you ask them to. Mm -hmm. um, from the abnormal amount of faculty meetings and Zoom calls and Google Meets that, that we faced, and then yet still, we still get in front of kids and give them our best. Right, and I mean, I think this whole pandemic, you know, was a great opportunity for teachers to showcase that unique skill set that I think most all teachers have, that adaptability, that, you know, like you said, you know, someone who's present more than a warm body, you know, a leader. And I think, you know, teachers don't have that advocate, someone that can talk to non-teachers and get them to understand what the real struggle is with teachers. Like it's so much more, so much more than what meets the eye. And I think even for teachers, it's hard for teachers to be able to articulate like, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. This is the struggles that we're dealing with. This is why this is difficult. And I might be appearing to hold the line on those Zoom calls. And I'm always there for your child. And I'm always putting them first. But this is what's going on on the back end of things after the Zoom call is done. You know, and I think parents seeing that, kids seeing, you know, I think it just, it's a really good reset for the perspective people have on teachers. And I hope this carries forward because I feel like a lot of people, you know, rag on teachers for a litany of things. And it's like, I don't, I don't think that there's cause for that. I think teachers should be, you know, held to such a, not just like a high standard, but like respected, like held high in society. Like, dang, you're a teacher, you're an educator. Like you're doing something I can't. Right. Almost like we were just talking about with Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen, right. <laughs> you know, that should almost be, you know, how, how, how teachers are viewed. Mm -hmm. Like, wow, you know, my teacher's out here. And, you know, I get that when I go places because I live in the same community with my students in my school. And I love it when I go places and my students see me and you can hear the whispers like, mm -hmm. that's my teacher, Mr. Law, you know, and so when they're saying that, it's like, to me, that's almost like a sign of reverence, you know, like right, right. they're acknowledging the fact that, and then when the parent comes up and said, you know, so, hey, you know, you know, so you're doing some shopping, yada, 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 you know, it's like, great. You know, you can really connect with them there. Right. In a place outside of the school and they can see that you're real. Right. You know, they can right. see that you're real and they can see that. I think that helps students to kind of connect greater with their teachers also to see that my teachers doesn't just come out of the closet in the morning. Mm -hmm. 
and go back in, plug in at night. And, you know, they get to see that real side of, of, of who educators really are. And I think bouncing off of that, that, you know, when you can humanize teachers and kind of make that connection of like, oh, this is you know, a person, you know, they're another team player. And I think teachers need to be viewed as that. Like you're a partner with the parent, you know, together we're going to build a really cool human that's going to contribute to society. That's going to help things out. You know, like it's not just all on the teacher to, you know, put the kid on the straight and narrow. And it's also not all on the parent to educate the kid. You know, if we can work together, that's how we're going to create a society that's going to be, you know, beyond our expectations, anything that we've had, you know? Hey, everybody. Just want to take a quick break from this episode of the Value Adds Value podcast to just say thank you um, for listening and for all the support. And if you've listened this far, we would love it if you could hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, leave a review, or jump over and find us on Instagram at Value Adds Value at its.will.law.iii and at its Kyle Krieger. Um, we would love to connect with you there learn more about you and how we can help you in your teaching craft and your teaching practice. So find us on Instagram, like, and subscribe, and also take a second to find us on YouTube at value adds value as well. So just a way for us to connect with you, serve you better and help you in this profession that we all love. So thank you. And we'll get back to the episode. I love that. And as much as I, I do want to hit this question on your general maintenance for beard routine maintenance, I feel like we're in a good, we're in a good flow with what we're supposed to be talking about. So maybe we'll have a, we'll do a separate ep- episode sometime down the road about general beard maintenance Oh, for sure for, for teachers. Um, so what has it been like in 2020 being a technology professional in a school? Yes, it's been difficult. Um, but from where I'm at, I have such a killer team, killer tech team, Little Lake Harbor School District, shout out, that we all really just come together, no matter what the issue is. So like when this pandemic hit, everyone pulled together and said, all right, we need to come up with a plan, we need to execute, and we need to move out as quickly as possible. Um, you know, coming from private sector, everything was a fire drill everything was a fire drill. We need to design ASAP. We need to take call this client ASAP. I'm just so used to fire drills that when this came up, it was just like a day in the office, no factor, we'll figure it out. Um, you know, it was tough in the sense that we had to come up with everything from scratch because we didn't have a real clear directive, you know, from POTUS down because no one really knew what was going on. So we had to find a solution that was the most efficient and effective for our district and our school and our children you know so as crazy as it's been it hasn't been unmanageable and we have a team that works together and we have an administration that really supports us so you know when we were like hey listen you know we want to get a chromebook in every kid's hands you know our administration worked with us to figure that out you know we're a title one district so we get a little more funding we're able to you know leverage some different channels and other school districts might not but we were able to get all, you know, every kid, we were able to get one-to-one Chromebooks into their hands. You know, we shifted obviously to a remote situation, but we were just doing the same thing we were doing in school. You know, we were providing support for the teachers. We were providing support to the parents. Like there was many phone calls I made the parents on their home phone from my home phone saying, yo dog, I can't get into Google Meet. What do I do? And just walking through it. Same with the kids too. Like you have to provide a little bit of support to them. It, 
it was more of the same, but in a different environment. And you just had to quickly adapt to it. And it really wasn't time to think. You just had to go and learn as you go. But tough, yes. Unmanageable, not for our team, not for our school district. I was very lucky to be in the position that I was in. I mean, and that's, that, that's good to hear, I feel like, because I, you know, I have no stake in the technology piece. Like, I know that we're getting technology, but I have no idea how that runs and, and how that plays out. So, I mean, from your perspective, what are the biggest challenges that our teachers and our kids have faced over the last, I mean, because in your school district, are the kids in school? Are they virtual? What, what's kind of been the, the situation where you are? So we're functioning off of a, uh, a hybrid system. So it's like an AB cohort type of thing. So you have, you know, half your kids come in on Monday, half your kids come in on Tuesday, Wednesday, everyone's virtual and they do a deep cleaning of the building. And then Thursday, Friday, kids are back in. And then obviously Saturday and Sunday, no one's in school. So the biggest, I think the biggest struggle has been the, the adaptability piece, you know, learning all the new technology, learning about all the new responsibilities. So you're given, you know, elementary young kids, you know, college level responsibility. Like, hey, you have to go on your computer. You have to go to this website. You have to meet at this time. You have to do your homework on your own and not have that person over you, you know, monitoring and making sure you're staying on task. Um, the kids are really good with adapting to that, I think, but I think a lot of the adults and the teachers are having, you know, they're a struggle bus city. You know, how do I do this? How do I do that? I've never done this before. And then you have all those worries and anxieties going on. You know, and one of the things you were asking before is, like, oh, you know, as a technology professional, what does it look like? You know, a lot of the stuff that I was doing at home was how-to videos, the like YouTube videos, you know, creating wakelets on like, hey, here's how to troubleshoot your Chromebook really quick if you get jammed up, stuff like that. So again, it's a lot of the same stuff, but you know, presenting it in a different format, and then trying to, you know, help these kids along in the easiest way possible. It's just like, hey, it's okay. Here's all your resources. Here's how you know we can help you. Charlie, the dog's coming up here. Go on, kid. Yeah. I thought I thought I saw him. Yeah, he's just coming to say good morning. Hello, buddy. Just had his morning breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's like ready for the day he's like dad what's what's up like what do we got going on today let's get after it let's go bro let's go for a walk let's do it i'm like bro, it's like 25 degrees outside get out of here <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah the biggest challenge has been the adaptability part and you know mm -hmm. learning all these new technologies without much training you know a lot of stuff was thrown at teachers like hey here's what you're using figure it out while you're teaching while you're working from home, while you're, you know, managing all these new things. Oh, and by the way, you also take care of your family too and worry about your kids and all that stuff and hold the line and still do the best job that you can. <laughs> right. It's a lot. It's a lot to ask from one human being. And I'm, I'm glad you said that in that way. And I hope our listeners really hear that because, you know, there's some environments where teachers are really being, being shut down and being criticized for not doing enough. And we had a whole a whole session here talking about teachers that they are doing enough that are not, I don't think a lot of people are really looking at, as you said, we're asking elementary age kids to do what we ask most seniors to do 
I mean, more, most graduating high schoolers to do their first year of college. Mm-hmm. You know, and I even say that to my sixth graders. I say, guys, the skills that you're learning right now in how to be autonomous learners, of how to go and find things and to log in and set your own schedule. I say, I was asked to do that, but I was 19 years old entering mm-hmm. college. So mm-hmm. there's a huge difference between you being 11 and 12 learning this now. I say, think about where you're going to be in 19. And yeah. I think helping them see that you're gaining valuable a valuable skill set that's going to help you so much further down the line. You're not even realizing how much more advanced you're going to be as a high school senior. You know, I watch my own daughter who our, our school, our middle school, our principal was pro-technology mm-hmm. when we first opened. Um, his whole thing was don't teach Wi-Fi kids with landline strategies. Yeah. He wanted everything to be on the computer, you know, stop making so much paper copies, force the kids to get used to this. This was two years ago. Mm -hmm. And so my daughter was there for the first two years of our, our school. So when she went off to high school, you know, they were using the same program that we're using, but not a lot of the schools had been, you know, using it appropriately or using it enough. And she was like, oh, I understand how to do this because, you know, we did this in middle school. Oh, I understand this because we did it in middle school. Mm-hmm. So it's like she started to realize slowly that these are skill sets that I struggled with in middle school that I don't have to struggle with now because I've already right. been exposed to it. So think about these kids now coming out of COVID, going into high schools and going into, you know, uh, colleges. The sky is really going to be the limit to what they're going to be able to accomplish. And, I'm, you know, I said it the other day that I'm almost excited to be mm-hmm. teaching at this time right now. Well, you're setting these kids up to really flourish in, you know, in a, in a new type of economy. Because I think now mm-hmm. that with people working from home, you know, that's been a conversation that's been going on for decades. And I think now, you know, we were forced to work from home and we saw that it worked and we don't need to have people physically in buildings and we don't need to have these set times, you know, and for these kids to come out of school and say, bruh, I've been doing this for years and years and years. This is no factor, you know, to be able to have a new workforce come out and say, hey, I can get work done. I am flexible. I can use all the technology you need. Um, I know the systems in and out and to have that ingrained in them is huge. Is huge. The responsibility part. I'm I'm seeing second graders where the teacher pulls up, you know, they say, okay, you have to, you know, meet with us at this time. And you see kid, 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 kid. Like they're holding themselves responsible. They all pop in. I'm like, dang. I'm like, they all need to get like stickers or scratchy, sniffy stickers or something. Right. They should be rewarded for that stuff. I mean, even like with the kids, um, like when we hand out, like if someone forgets like a charger or a Chromebook and we lend them one for the day, you know, when they come back, on their own and say, yo dog, I got your charger for you. Well, thanks, man. You know, I really, really appreciate that. And they're like, oh, okay, no problem. I, like just to let them know, like, mm-hmm. hey, that personal responsibility is huge. And that's and what's it gonna carry you and it, and it doesn't even phase, it doesn't even phase them. They're just like, yeah, I, I and, and I think that's so important. But, you know, thinking about what you said about how jobs are going to change, but I just think about like the opportunity, like if you were a small town kid like me, like small town Wisconsin, or you were living, you know, somewhere in Jersey, or you were living up in upstate New York, or wherever it was, like now in this new economy, you could, I mean, theoretically, from Minnesota, I could apply for a job in New York, Mm -hmm. if it was all virtual. And, and, 
not feel to have, you know, that desire to, or the, the need to have to move. Right. I feel like that's such an incredible opportunity that these kids have. But from your, from your private sector experience, especially in the technology space, you know, these skills that our kids are getting, where, where have you seen them or where do you see them going in, in our economy, you know, over the next five to 10 years? So how are these skills our kids are getting this year tra- going to translate to jobs they may have in the future? I mean, just basic stuff like, you know, being on time when there's a meeting that's set, be there be early you know i think like very fundamental stuff like that is going to be huge because it's going to you know come off very well to you know employers obviously they want you to be on time if you can do that if you're late to school you're late to work and i feel like a lot of these kids they're holding the line with that stuff so i think that's really good but on you know a broader scope these kids are getting so used to technology to typing to adapting, you know, oh, we're going to use Zoom. Now we're going to move to Google, like using these different systems from different providers that are radically different and quickly adapting and learning. I think, you know, that's a huge skill set, the adaptability part. And I think we're going to start seeing this more. Kids not necessarily knowing the answer to a problem, but knowing where to go to resolve those issues. Because, you know, as an employer, you know, I don't necessarily want to hire, you know, the person who can do everything right out of the box. You know, I want to find someone who says, hey, I don't know all the answers, but I know where to go for the solutions. You know, and I feel like these kids are going to have that built into them because when they're home, you know, doing their thing, there's no one there to help them find the answer. You know, if you can leverage the resources that are around you, whether it be the teacher, Google, et cetera, you know, that's going to come in amazingly, you know, useful in any job. That's the thing about it. It's ubiquitous. It's across the board, no matter what you do, whether you're an NFL player or whether you're someone on the back end working, you know, a a network server or something like that, you know, like. Yeah. I just love what you said because, you know, Will and I over the course of this have been talking about, you know, the kids that we've had over time that are, you know, just like those box checkers that are like, tell me what I got to do to get in it tell me exactly what I got to do. And it's so, it can be so challenging to work with them because they don't want to solve problems. They just want to, you know, go down the line and say, this is what I need to do to get an A and I'm going to work until I get that and, and Mm -hmm. do that and, and all that. And I think that's such a, a valuable skill. And even I notice it in teachers. Mm -hmm. I, I noticed that, we get so hyper-focused on tests and curriculum and grades that we're not good at troubleshooting and we're not good at adapting. And I mean, I can't say that I've done the greatest job in the history of the world this year because I've been home the whole time. Like my school started in a hybrid as well, but they had four teachers that were all virtual for our families that chose to have their kids be 100% virtual. So Mm -hmm adapting here like even just for me learning learning what you can and can't do in a 30 minute window of online teaching like because that 30 minute window closes very quickly right right but i think it's especially for teachers it's tough because you guys aren't given the time and the lead way to really dig in and learn about 
all these pieces of technology and you know how to troubleshoot them you don't have time really for that stuff and you know, I, i've noticed that even with our school too you know you guys are still held to the same standards regardless of pandemic or not you know like we're still doing sgos we're still doing you know reviews and all that kind of stuff i mean you guys are focused on that on top of you know managing the whole remote piece so where do you guys have time to you know learn how to troubleshoot or figure out problems and stuff like that you know like i saw an opportunity there to hey, hey let's make one resource you guys can go to and that way you know hey at least i can go here and try to figure out what the problem is you know but there's so much you guys have to do i feel like teachers are really the exception it's like listen you can only do so much in a day or only, you can only do so much in a 30 minute window you know if you're sitting there a bit spending time trying to figure out how to troubleshoot a problem it's not the best use of your time especially if you have kids there Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that troubleshoot definitely has to take place prior. Yeah. You know, I think our team we made the decision um, like early on last year when we first uh, got uh, sent home uh, in March that we started doing all of our team meetings within the same platform that we would have our students because we use Schoology. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were like, well, let's just go to, to the conferencing feature in Schoology and let's do it there. So that way, while we're meeting with each other, we can try different things. We can troubleshoot. We can mm-hmm. see what all the bells and whistles go along with it. And so like this year, like I said, we've been, we were virtual for the first nine weeks and we've been uh, face-to-face ever since. Um, well, at least I have. We still have some virtual teachers. Uh, and I think that Coming back, we're going to get an extra 150 kids. Okay. Um, uh, after the break, um, and you know, I feel like if we had to stop it and go back virtual, I think we would be okay. Yeah, um, I think so. And I think our kids. I, I, I'm a big believer that the relationship you build with kids depend on you whether or not kids are going to show up for your course. Mm-hmm. Uh, I noticed that last year in March that the only kids that really showed up were the kids that I had rock solid relationships with. And so this year, my goal was, since we started virtual, I had to figure out how do I make these connections virtually? You know, and then once we trans transitioned, now I'm saying, okay, how can I sustain and build on these relationships so that if by chance we have to go back virtual, the kids want to come to my course. Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really, really tough piece to figure out. Um, you know, it, it's hard to make those meaningful connections virtually because again, it you don't have you don't can't feel the energy in a room. You can't feel that vibe. You know, it it's tough. And you know, and I think a lot of teachers do strive for that, and they do make those connections. And that I don't know how you guys do it. I really don't. No clue. And it's and it's strange to you know because Wilkie and I've been talking for years about how even just when we were on campus, we're competing with kids for their attention. Mm-hmm. And I, I know you have a love for Gary Vee and, and that, and we've talked about that in the past, but like we've been competing for their attention. Now we really, really, like Will said, you, you have to get their attention. And I find myself fighting the urge to just feel like I'm running a YouTube show, but maybe that's what I should be doing. Maybe my, <laughs> my, my class should be like a live YouTube show. Maybe it should be more, more. I think, as Will would say, more more sizzle and less steak, or is it more steak and less sizzle? More steak. Yeah, but it's but it's, you know, 
they laughed at me this year when I told them, I said, guys, if you really want your kids to, to come into your class, you got to become a celebrity to them. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I posted everything, not just with my Bitmoji, but I had a an actual logo made with mm -hmm. my picture on it. And so when I would open my classroom, I would be playing music that I produced with a picture of me. And the first thing the kids are like, are you a celebrity? You know, <laughs> you, you make music, you, you know, you do this. <laughs> what rappers do you know? You know, da, da, da. so that generated a buzz. And so the kids started talking to each other and you slowly started seeing those numbers go from 15 to 20 to 30 to 40 to where you know you almost got full participation across the whole day when we were doing live lessons. And they were like, oh, you know, uh, everybody don't want, to, don't want to be a celebrity. I say, but this is one more thing that virtual teaching has taught me is that we have to market our class now. Thank you for checking out this episode of the Value Adds Value podcast. This is part one of the two-part uh, conversation we had with our brother, uh, Matt Bokey. Um, just one of the most genuine down home good dudes we've ever come across in our educational travels. And we've been saying this for quite a few episodes now. We're trying to expand the perspective and the perspective he brings from his public and private sector experience. Um, and the way he sees things from the technology side, I think it really is, um, it's a breath of fresh air to hear someone talk about teachers the way he does because i think we get so siloed and isolated that we forget that there are people that really appreciate us so we hope that you appreciate this episode part one um later this week part two will come out with matt um really just talking about how we can thrive in 2021 and, and how we can grow and do these things so uh if you don't follow matt at Real Bokey on Instagram. You can look up his private consulting company, uh, By Bokey. You can find him online. He does photography. He does so much stuff. And we can do a little bit more of that in the next episode. But we hope you had the best new year. We hope you had the greatest break. We hope you are recharged and ready to get after it in 2021. We know we are, and we're right here with you. So thanks for checking out this episode of Value Adds Value, number 288. And we will see you next time.